Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. Again, glad that you're here. We're continuing in this Be a Light series, and today we really jump into the crux of uh, what this series is going to be about, is Jesus is going to give us really purpose, and I think all of us are looking for purpose. I mean, that's easy, right? Everybody wants clearer purpose in their life. No matter where you are, you want to be able to have some clear, defined purpose in your life. And, and so as you study uh, what we're going to look at today, this is what's referred to as uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open them up. We'll be there in just a second, Matthew chapter 5. And in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins his ministry with this amazing message. And it's really a sermon that is, in, in essence, it's calling sort of the casual observer out of the crowd into this intimate walk with the Savior. And it really, it, it really lays a blueprint for what it looks like to, to live a life in the kingdom. And it is so different from anything anyone has ever heard. And so we're going to pick up this concept as, as Jesus has given us purpose and he's calling us to, to be a light. And, and really, it's not so much about what we do. That's what people look for. Think about purpose. I need to find out what I'm supposed to do. Well, before that, what's so important is you, you need to find out who you are and what you've been called to be. And that's what Jesus is going to do in the Sermon on the Mount. He's going to lay out this foundational purpose for our life, our life with these great word pictures. And, and let me say something about this Be a Light series. The, the small group stuff that we've put together, this is the first time we've ever done anything like this. The best material for this series is not found in the sermon. Like we've saved our best stuff for the 10-minute videos every single week. And, and you say, well, why are you mentioning that? Because it's hard for me. Like I want to use some of those illustrations that we used in, in the videos, but uh, we, we've got those. So you'll, have a, you'll get so much more out of this series uh, if you'll just pick up one of these packets and go through this with us for, for five weeks. Give you a chance to kind of talk with some folks and ask some questions. It's, it's all right there ready made. Even if you're not interested in Bible study, in week number one, we have a black bear that comes on the set where we're trying to shoot, and we're lucky to be here today. So if you're just curious, about what happens. Uh, you want to see some really cool footage and just, just do that. So let, let's begin uh, today. In Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 13, Jesus really again talking about what is our purpose. He says, well, here's who you are. You're, you're really supposed to be the salt of the earth. And now what, what does salt do? Nick did a great job last week of, of breaking that down for us. Salt really enhances everything, makes everything better. I, I think about it as a kid, I, I've shared this all weekend, like going to my grandmother's on Friday night and she would pop popcorn. She had this air popper, right? This is before microwave stuff. And so she would do air pop popcorn and you didn't want to eat that stuff when it came out. It was nasty, like styrofoam. You had to have some, I mean, it was just a receptacle for salt and butter. That's all in the world. It was. So we get our popcorn and then watch Dallas. That tells you I was a child of the 70s. So that's the way that did. But without salt, it was pretty, pretty rough. But Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth, meaning the relationships that we're in. When we come into a room, as, as we're with folks, that we really enhance things because of what God is doing in our life. And salt creates a thirst that if we're really living this kingdom life out the way Jesus has called us to live it out, that it creates a thirst from other people. We don't have to beat people over the head with truth. They just, they just want to know more. And then salt, salt really stops decay. It really shows people in this dark world that there's another way to live, that our ethics, whether that be sexually or financially or so many other ways, it's just a different way to live in this culture. But for salt to have any effect, for salt to have any effect, it has to get out of the bottle, right? I mean, that's pretty easy, isn't it? It has to be applied. And so that's what, that's what Jesus is getting at when he's saying, you're the salt of the earth. And then look at verse 14. Here, here's where we're going in this series. 
Jesus said, but you're the light. You're also the light of the world. Now, I think everyone in here would agree that this is a dark world that we live in. Would you, would you agree with that? Right? Nobody? I would. But you're the light of the world. And so what does light do? Light penetrates the darkness. And, and Jesus says a town is, is built on a hill and it cannot be hidden. And so one of the things that we're going to see is Jesus is saying is the light is meant to shine. It's, it's not to be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. And that just makes sense. If you take a bowl, let's just, let's just pretend like this is just a big small group in here. If you, if you take a candle and you put a bowl over the top of it, what's going to happen? It's just going to go out. It's not going to be effective. And Jesus says that you've been created to shine. He says that they take that light and they put it on a stand. Every one of us have a unique way that God wants us to shine in this culture, and so we don't want to shy away from it. And then it says, and this light gives light to everyone in the house. We're going to talk about the opportunity we have to make an impact far greater than everything that you maybe have ever thought about. i got to tell you, I know you maybe think this is preacher speak here today, but what Jesus is saying, if you could understand these principles and apply these principles, they can really transform every part of your life. Isn't that exciting in some sense? And we're going to see that. Jesus says in verse 16, in the same way, let your light shine before, before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. He's saying this is what it means to shine, that, you, that you're obeying the Lord and people see your obedience and then, that, then they begin to glorify God. And what, what it means to glorify God is you're turning the lights on. When we shine, we're turning the lights on so that people can see the nature of who God is. People are going to understand the nature of who our God is by the way we live our life. In a sense, that's what Jesus is saying. So this is a high calling. It gives us so much purpose. This is so, so important. So if you have your notes, let's go ahead and take them out this morning. And we're, we're going we're gonna to look at this. We're going to think about how we shine the brightest. Because if Jesus called us the light of the world and the purpose of light is to shine. Let me say that to you again. The purpose of light is to do what? To shine. So how do we shine brightest? That's what we're going to talk about for a few moments. Because d- does that make sense for anybody here? If you've been called the light of the world, don't you want to be all that God created you to be? Just one. That's all it takes, right? Yeah, I'll talk to you wherever you are. Yeah, I do. Man, if Jesus has called me to be the light of the world, if he's called me to shine, I want to understand how I can maximize that. I want to be all that he has created me to be. So we're going to look at a couple, a couple things that we see from this scripture here. So we shine brightest when? Number one, we remember Jesus calls us to shine and not hide. This is what he says over and over in, in this teaching. Look at verse 14. You're the light of, a world, light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You've been called to shine and not hide. I can't tell you how many times, especially with guys, I have started to share the gospel with someone that maybe I've met or a guy that I know, and and he'll stop me and say this. He'll say, you know what? My faith is a private matter. And you might be here today and you might say, well, yeah, that's right. Dude, that's me. I'm a private person. My faith is a private matter. I understand that. Here's what I would say. That doesn't square with what Jesus said. Jesus says just the opposite. Do you see that? I mean, we have to wrestle with that, right? I mean, we, we, may, not, it may, not, we may not like it. may not be who, who, who we are, but I've got to come to the place in my life. Am I going to be under my authority? I'm going to be under Jesus' authority. And Jesus doesn't give us that option. He says that our light is meant to shine. He says you don't take a candle and put it under a bowl. Nobody does that. But you put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So making faith in Christ a private matter, when we say things like that, I mean, listen, that, that, that sort of sounds good in makes sense, but when you make your faith in Christ a private matter, here's one thing it does. It keeps the world in darkness. It keeps all those folks around you in darkness. 
I love this quote better than most anybody else because I, I, I share this and I just see the looks on people's face. But th- this is, I remember reading this 20 years ago from a guy named Hugh Hewitt. And he said this, he said, any belief, now in the South, I've lived in the South my whole life, most everybody in the South would call themselves a believer, right? I, I, I believe. Most everybody in the South would call themselves a believer. I don't think we really understand what that means. Hugh Hewitt's, Hugh Hewitt, that's not easy to say together. Any belief without the confidence to live it publicly is not really a belief, but maybe a posture or a stance or just sort of an opinion. And Jesus is saying, you know what, you're the light of the world and a light is meant to shine. And, and it's not a private matter. And, and sometimes, I want to push into this, sometimes, sometimes maybe you're thinking this, well, what can one life, what kind of difference can one life make? Like if, if I'm really going to shine, I mean, I mean, this is a dark world and we're sort of over, overwhelmed with all the darkness, well, what can one life make? That, that doesn't seem to be, make that big of a difference. Well, you can go on, you can Google this and you'll email me and correct me. I'm going I'm to give you the most modest uh, number uh, that I could find. If you take a candle... One birthday candle, right? And you light that candle. If it is a, a, a dark environment, a nighttime environment, and uh, the, the landscape is relatively flat, and there's no hindrances between you and that candle, no obstacles between you and that candle, you can see a solitary birthday candle burning from over a mile and a half away. Some people say even further than that. That's nuts, isn't it? That's one little candle burning in that far away. So what does, that, what does that tell you and me? Jesus is saying, light pierces darkness. One life on a high school campus of several thousand students, one life that is shining for Christ can pierce darkness. One student on a, on a college campus of, of maybe 20,000, one life can pierce darkness. One guy in a corporation that is shining his light can pierce darkness. One mom who's living out her faith and her profession in a place that maybe is pretty dark, one life, one life that is shining bright for Christ can pierce darkness. I think that's what Jesus is, is, is getting at. So first thing we understand, our light is going to shine brightest when, first of all, we don't buy the lie that our faith in Christ is a private matter. Can I say this to you? This may be where we get confused a little bit, is, is our faith in Christ is a personal matter. You understand the difference? It is a personal matter, but it's not a private matter. Jesus doesn't give you that option. And I'm seeing the looks on your faces. We would rather it be that way, right? We would rather, as Western believers, we'd just rather say, you know, that's just a private matter. But can we at least understand, you don't have to agree with me, but you understand that what Jesus is teaching is that our faith in Christ is to be a public matter. Do you? All right. We can go back and read it again. We can stay here all day. I don't know. (laughs) Number two, if you don't get this, if you miss what I'm about to say, there is a chance that what you will hear will be heresy. And I don't want that on my resume. I don't want to stand before God as a heretic, a false teacher. I'll blame it on you. I'll say, I just didn't listen, Lord. Here's the second point. You need to realize, as we think about our light shining brighter, we need to realize that we can only reflect light and not produce light. It's a big difference. You are made to reflect light, not produce light. Now, let me try to illustrate that for you in, in, in just a moment. Let me ask you a question. I want you to respond here, right? I know it's kind of awkward to speak out in church, and, but if you know the answer, does the moon, does the moon produce light or reflect light? It reflects light. The moon does not produce light. 
The moon merely reflects light. So watch this. Let's, we're going to put some pictures up. And my, my head is like the moon. It reflects light too. So it's a, I'm going to use that for an illustration. It's, in many ways, it doesn't produce. It just reflects light. So this is full moon. We're, we're kind of in this phase. Uh, now, when the, 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 the moon is full or the moon is half, when the moon is half, the part that is shaded, the dark part, why is it shaded? Because that's the part of the moon that is turned away from the sun. Now, if we move on down to the crescent moon, where a good percentage of the moon is shaded, why is that part shaded, or why is that part dark? That's the part that is turned away from the sun, right? Because the moon doesn't produce light, the moon reflects light. So you say, well, what does that really, really mean? Well, Jesus said it this way, another way, building on this. Jesus said, I'm the vine. In other words, I'm the source, right? And you're the branch. You're connected to the source. If you remain or stay connected to me uh, and I and you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, what can you do? Let me ask you again. Apart from Christ, what can you do? Do you think we really believe that? Apart from Christ, we can do nothing of any spiritual value. So this is the same principle. We don't produce light, and some of you... I. I wish, I just pray, believers here, would you pray for me that I could communicate this well, that the Holy Spirit would communicate this well. Some of you have been frustrated spiritually for so many years in your life because there's just been areas of your life that you have not been able to get victory in, whether that be in a relationship, whether that be trying to overcome something, some addiction in your life, overcoming a fear in your life, or, or whatever it is. And you have been trying to produce something. You've been trying to produce light. But can I tell you something? You were never created to produce light. You were created to reflect it. Do you understand the difference? Now, how do we reflect it? Because I can tell your looks. Okay, so what does that really mean? How, how do I do that? Well, look at this. I want to say it this way. How bright you shine is totally going to be dependent on your relationship to the sun. Can I tell you that again? How bright you shine is going to be totally dependent upon your relationship to the sun. Think about the moon. How bright the moon shines is totally dependent upon his relationship to the sun. So, so how do we really live that out? How bright I'm going to shine today is going to be totally dependent on, on, on my relationship to the sun. Am I, am I in his presence? Am I in his word? Am I around other believers that are speaking truth and encouraging you? And, and let me just say, I just wonder if, if this couldn't be an exercise for some of you today just to practice this. I just wonder if today, maybe at the end of the day, if you kind of contemplate your week, Contemplate your week, and would you say that t t today you found yourself shining maybe brighter today because of your time in God's Word, around God's people, worshiping the Lord through song, then maybe you've shined the rest of the week. That's just an example. That can take place every single day as you're reflecting His light. I love Acts chapter 4, verse 13, because I can so relate to this. Man, I, I got to tell you, I am not the sharpest knife in the drawer. If you saw my test scores when I was in high school, my AC, I don't even want to tell you my ACT score. Uh, um, it was not good. Um, I, I don't have, I don't have this great pedigree. What, what, whatever you know, as far as just a, a, I come from a great family. I'm not saying that. If my mom's watching, your great mom, I won't say that. But just like this, just I'm just not this rocket scientist. Far from it. In Acts chapter four, I don't even know why I felt the need to say that. Those of you who've been around here long enough, you say, yeah, we got, we sort of got that. <laughs> In Acts chapter four, Jesus has been, he's been crucified. He is resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. And the disciples are sharing the gospel, and there's this evangelistic just, just I mean, explosion that's happening. Thousands of people in Jerusalem are coming to faith in Christ. And in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, there's some people that are watching, 
right? The inner circle Jewish folks, they haven't surrendered to Christ. They're watching. Listen listen to what they say. They said, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, these apostles. Now, those of you who've studied the Bible a little bit, were Peter and John courageous in and around the arrest of Jesus? No, they weren't. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, that's kind of meant to be a little bit of a shot. Like, man, you guys are not that impressive, right? You're not that, you're just ordinary dudes. They were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Isn't that cool? Like, their ability to shine was based on one thing. Was it based on their education? No, not that education's bad. You get all you can get. Was it, was it based on some kind of ability that they had in and of themselves? They were just ordinary guys. But they were astonished because these guys had been with, with, with Jesus. And so that's what's going to happen for, for us as we stay in his presence. And we're able to shine. Because here, I want you to get this. Please, please, please. We are not called to produce light, but merely reflect light. Let me say that to you again. I want you to get it. We're not called to produce light, merely reflect light. Do you understand the difference? All right. Now, that's a really important section. I, we're going to do something now that we don't do very often, but Steve Austin that we brought out just a moment ago, Steve's written a great book years ago in a workbook called Getting Your Life on Track. It's real, on target, excuse me, Getting Your Life on Target. It's a really great book. Uh, I've read it, enjoyed it. He's got a section, that uh, a chapter that goes into greater details, way more than I did there, and so you can pick one of those up uh, at the table. It's super, super helpful uh, for you. We just make that available to you as, as a resource. Now, let's look at point number three. Hardest thing we're going to take a, talk about by far today. Are you, are you ready? I want to put it in the middle of the message. You still got some bandwidth to listen for five minutes? <laughs> it was real awkward. Nobody responded. Not really, but go ahead. In the balcony? Thank you. Wow. Why don't you guys move down here next week? <laughs> we need to remember that our darkest moments can be the greatest opportunity for us to shine the brightest. This doesn't sell any books. Very few people will say amen to this. In fact, we believe something totally opposite. How many times this week do you see hashtag blessed in somebody's post because they got a promotion? Had a big sale? Got the new house? Kid made the team? What about the mom whose kid didn't make the team? What about the guy who lost his job? What about the family that got the diagnosis? Are they not blessed? We're having to live this out as a family. Here's what I want to say to you. In the darkest moments of your life and my life, it can be the greatest opportunity for you to shine brighter than you've ever shined before. Because that's what darkness is. It's a canvas for light to explode. And here's what I want to say to you. Don't turn away from God. Listen, darkness is going to come. Please, if you've ever been around here, there's going to be dark times in your life. We just live in a fallen world. Have we talked about that before? Yes. It's going to come. There are going to be folks that are losing jobs. 
You're going to lose loved ones. You're going to get a terrible diagnosis. This is a, this is a, this is a fallen, difficult world. And I know so many believers, but listen, uh, our, our, our folks who claim to be believers, that when darkness comes, they turn. They're angry with God. They turn their back on God. I mean, they're, they're, just, they're just walking away. And, and they could be missing the most powerful time ever in their life to shine. I'm not saying that we should hunt pain and darkness, pursue it or want it. I'm just saying when it comes and it will, it could be the most powerful season in your life to shine. To be honest, this is what our brothers and sisters in China cannot understand about the Western church. They do not understand this because here's what they say. If you read what they say about us, they say in the West, that's us, in the West, we ask God to remove the trial. God, Get me out of this. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. Take it away. In the east, our brothers and sisters say, God, help me be faithful in the midst of the trial. Do you understand the difference? They get it. Lord, help me. I want to shine for you in the midst of this. And this may be the greatest opportunity. Why? Because people are watching. Hey, anybody can shine when the kid makes the team, when you get the pay raise, everybody's healthy. You see, but it's a whole different deal. Pain can be your greatest platform to shine. I just want you to hear that. I, I know you may not like that. And, and I, I'm always, I'm saying these things. And to be honest, every word that I try to say, I want to make sure that it agrees with what Scripture says. And I, I'm even thinking how you might hear that because I'm guessing there's a young person here today that would say, dude, this is like the weirdest junk I've ever heard in my life makes no sense to me. Pain is your greatest opportunity to shine. Like the reason that you might be interested in God is you thought, you know what, if God, I'd like for you to come alongside so I could avoid pain. That's really what we want. We want a God who blesses our deal. And then when it doesn't happen that way, we become completely confused. So we don't really understand on the front end, right? And so it makes sense to me why you might think if this is all there is, you just go around once, 70 or 80 years, then yeah, it makes sense that what I'm saying is weird. But if we've been created to live in light of eternity and live somewhere forever and we've been called to shine here and now and the best opportunity we may ever have in our life to shine is during these dark moments. Romans 5.3, Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. What did Paul mean when he said we glory in our sufferings? Does Paul mean that we love suffering? No. The word glory there, the Greek word is doxa. What it means, it means to shed light on. And he said, Paul is saying, in suffering, it gives me a great opportunity to shed light on the faithfulness, on the goodness of my God, on the power of my God. You see? And that's what he's learned that we need to learn in our life. Let's finish this up. We shine our brightest. Let's recap. We remember Jesus has called us to shine, not hide. When we reflect light and not produce light, important, we remember that our darkest moments, our darkest moments can be the greatest opportunity to shine. And number four, we shine brightest when we realize that we shine best together. We shine best together. In 1962, John Glenn orbited planet Earth 
first American to do that. Uh, because there were so few transmission stations there on that journey, one of the things that NASA asked uh, the people in Australia to do, because they knew that when um, Glenn was making his orbit around, at that point, it would have been the dark side of the earth, they asked the people of Perth, Australia, on the western shore of Australia, to everybody in the city, turn their lights on so that John Glenn might be able to see the lights of Perth and know that he was on the right track, right? And so everyone did that. They said kids were going out in their backyard with sparklers as, they, as, a, as John Glenn is coming over. And 36 years after that, after 1962, John Glenn was able to orbit the earth again. Senator John Glenn did that, and the people of Perth did the same thing for him. Let's take a look at this video. My second flight, I was the uh, pilot on STS-95. Kirk Brown was the commander, and that was the flight that uh, John Glenn went back up into space uh, 36 years after flying Mercury. And uh, so uh, when, when John went up on his uh, first flight, um, you know, they, they had very little, you know, a few ground tracking stations here and there, but it was going to be the first time an American was going to orbit the Earth. And so on one of his passes, one of the things that happened is the city of Perth in Western Australia um, uh, they, were, they decided that since it was going to be a night pass over Perth, they were going to light up the entire city so that when John flew over the city, uh, he would be able to see it from space. And uh, so sure enough, he, he gets airborne and, uh, and the city of Perth lights up all the lights and he gets to see it from space. Well, we're launching on STS-95 and uh, the city of Perth uh, basically lets us know they're going to go do the same thing again 36 years later for John. And so we get airborne and this is early into the flight. Uh, I think it's... Uh, we. We'd gone on orbit, we'd gone through post-insertion where we reconfigured the vehicle, and I want to say it's about four or five hours into the flight, we're going to have this night pass over Australia, and uh, that's the, the pass that the city of Perth is going to have all their lights on. And so um, I'm up on the flight deck with Kurt, and, uh, and we're starting to pass over Australia. Of course, you're moving five miles a second, so, uh, so the ground goes underneath you pretty quickly. And uh, so we're looking for Perth, and we know where we are in the flight plan, we know what our ground track is. Unfortunately, uh, it looks like all of Australia is under cloud cover. And so we have John up on the flight deck too, and we're desperately looking for Perth. And so I'm looking out the pilot's windows. We're kind of payload day to the earth attitude flying over Australia. And, uh, and I can see the coastline coming. I'm thinking we're going to miss it because all of Western Australia is under cloud cover. And so um, right as we're just going over the coast, there's one area in all of Western Australia it is not covered by clouds, and it happens to be the city of Perth. And I can see the lights of Perth um, with clouds surrounding the lights. And so we saw it, we managed to get John, John's eyes on it, and then at that point, rather than watching the ground and watching Perth, I started watching John because I thought, here I am, um, fortunate enough to be watching history repeat itself. He did this 36 years ago, and now I'm getting to watch John watch the ground and go over Perth uh, 36 years later. And so um, I remember that, every bit of that moment, because I got the, got the chance to essentially watch history repeat itself. And uh, I think John's comment when we flew over Perth, he looked down and he said, wow, Perth is a lot bigger than the last time I saw it. It's pretty good. We shine brightest when we shine together. Here's a couple things I would say about me personally. There's, there's two things. I need many more things than this, but two things that I need on a daily basis. Personally, I need encouragement and I need correction. And I don't get them without other people in my life. And neither do you. 
And so if, if, if we are going to shine bright, that's why we talk about connecting in groups and finding community here over and over again. In this last four days of my life, I can't tell you how many guys uh, in my life that have emailed me and encouraged me and, and my wife. It has been oxygen to our soul. And there are guys in my life that provide correction to me. And I want you to understand, if you want to shine brightest, we shine brightest when we shine together. We need that. We need that community in our life. That's why we want you to grab one of these Be A Light bags and just gather around the table one night a week and study God's Word, talk, encourage each other, let the Word correct each other, and you'll watch what God will do as you begin to shine brighter and brighter. I guarantee you it'll happen. Let's close this up today. Last thing I would say, we shine brighter when we realize this, when we realize that sin, one of the things about sin, sin is a dimmer switch. That's not the only thing about sin, but one of the things you need to know about personal sin and personal sin in my life, it's a dimmer switch. You've got dimmer switches on the lights in your house, right? That's what sin is. And there's a pull, watch this, there is a pull to darkness in your life and my life. That's what the enemy does. I mean, if Jesus says the purpose of your life is to be a light, to shine, don't you understand that the enemy has a purpose for your life too? We taught it to our kids. Don't let Satan, what? Blow it out. You remember that song? I didn't spit on any of you guys down there, did I? Been weird, right? This little light of mine, you remember singing that as a kid? This little light of mine, I'm going to what? I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And the enemy wants to really blow that out. Sin's like that. Sin's a a, a dimmer switch. And Jesus teaches us that the world really prefers darkness. John chapter 3, verse 19, listen to what Jesus says. He says, this is the verdict. In other words, let me level with you. This is truth. Light has come. That's me, my word. But people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. In verse 20, everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear their deeds will be exposed. So this is a dark world. We would agree with that. One of the things that we would rather do in the church, and really for the last 50 years, we, ha- we have rather cursed the darkness than really shine our light. It's kind of easier to do that. You know, not my group, because my men's group, we don't ever do this, but I've been in groups before for an hour where you sit around and curse the darkness about all the bad things that are going on in the world. Jesus hadn't called you to curse the darkness. He's called you to shine your light in the darkness. Do you understand the difference? That's the hope. And so one of the ways, watch this, please make this connection. We're coming to, coming to a close. One of the ways that we shine the brightest is understanding that sin's a dimmer switch. Erwin Lutzer said this, temptation is not a sin, it's a call to battle. Here's one of the ways that you know you are in Christ. It's not that you don't ever sin, but you're willing to do battle with sin because you understand sin breaks the heart of God and sin begins to dim our light, keeps us from being who God wants us to be. Three things, three things, three ways our light is is dimmed. And this isn't all of them. It just gets us started. Our light is dimmed, watch this, when we choose to hide instead of shine. Because here's what light does. Look at me. You're thinking, well, we've already said this. Here's one of the purposes of light. Look, look. Light gives direction. Light gives direction. It leads others home. July 2017, San Francisco, California. It's San Francisco International Airport, an Air Canada 747 passenger airplane tries to land on the taxiway, not a runway, on a taxiway on top of four other planes. Why did it do that? Because the runway lights that it was supposed to, the runway that it was supposed to land on next to it, the runway lights were not shining. Watch this video of this almost near near disaster take place. Let's take a look at it. 
video shows Air Canada Flight 759's final approach to SFO and initial go-around after pilots realized they were about to land on a taxiway where four other airplanes carrying passengers were waiting to take off. California Insurance Commissioner Dave Jones was a passenger on the Air Canada flight. When I watched the footage of how close we came, uh, I was terrified. The mistake could have triggered the worst aviation disaster in American history. Well, I don't know if any of you got to catch a flight this afternoon. I'm sorry that I showed that. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting in a plane waiting? There's this massive jet that's about to land on top of you. Why? Because the runway lights weren't shining. Now listen, here's the dimmer switch. When I hide and don't shine, I'm not giving direction. And there are people that God has placed in your life. There are people that God has placed in your life that don't know how to get home. And we're called to shine our light to offer direction. But we're not doing that. In fact, Martin Luther King Jr. said this. It's an amazing statement. He said, in the end... We will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. Secondly, we dim our lights when our words are, are careless and coarse. We dim our lights when our words are careless and coarse. There have been so many times in my life that I have been careless with my words and I've chosen to get a laugh instead of be a light. There's so many times that just a short time around someone, all they've known about me is something that I've said, and I didn't choose my words well, and it dimmed my light. Paul says this in Ephesians 4.29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit all who listens. He goes on to say about our words, Colossians chapter 4, verse 5, act wisely towards outsiders, making the most of your time, your speech, listen to this, your speech should always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. We dim our lights with coarse and careless words. And finally, we dim our lights when our morality reflects the culture instead of the king. We dim our lights when our morality, our sexual ethic, reflects the culture instead of the purity of our king. Don't let anyone look down on you, Paul says, because you're young, but set an example. You know what he's saying? Be a light. Be a light. For the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Our men are coming forward, and we're going to receive communion. In just the next few moments, you're going to hold in your hand these elements, the bread and the cup. And when we celebrate this meal as believers, one of the things we're doing is, is we're remembering the sacrifice Jesus made. The second thing we do many times is that we are repenting of the sin in our life. And today, would you, as you hold these elements in your hand, perhaps repent of the sin that is dimming your light? It's keeping you from shining so bright. Father, as we celebrate this meal, would you, through the power of your Holy Spirit, reveal areas of sin that need to be confessed and repented of? Would you remind us again of the sweetness of our salvation 
and the purpose of our life to be a light. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.